Uh, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Proverbs. Uh, we're going to be all over the place, so it actually might be easier if you just have your worship guide that has all of these Proverbs before you. Uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, reprioritizing my job description, and I decided I would go to the uh, pastoral epistles for help. And so I wrote down every command in the pastoral epistles, and I said the top three commands are going to be what I prioritize in my job description. Uh, the first two, there were no real surprises. Uh, Paul mentions like 13, 14 times, preach, teach. Uh, the second most often uh, command he has was to be an example, to be a model. Uh, the third uh, most repeated command did surprise me. And I found it to be the most helpful command I have had over the last two to three years. Uh, he said, avoid foolish controversies. Uh, he actually says that seven times uh, in the pastoral epistles, to avoid foolish controversies. And can you think of anything that is any better piece of advice uh, that you could have over the last couple of years? I took that as just stay off of social media, uh, ignore what's out there. Uh, that advice, or really command, has served me well. But what do you do when you can't avoid it? You can't avoid a controversy. And it's not foolish. What if a controversy comes to you as a conflict? Somebody comes to you angry. What if somebody comes to you and offends you, wrongs you, sins against you? When a family member keeps saying passive-aggressive statements all the time around you? When you get that accusatory email? What do you do when somebody comes to you just looking for a fight? Uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Proverbs is immensely practical when talking to us about how to deal with an offense. And what we're going to find as we read through this is that we're to have a soft answer, a slow anger, and we must redefine winning. But let me read to you some of these Proverbs. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 15.28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. 17.14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. 16.32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and his glory, it is his glory to overlook an offense. 24.29, do not say I will do to him as he has done to me, I will pay the man back. For what he has done. 25 verses 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we pray that you would open up your word to us, that you would show us your heart for how you have responded when you were wrong. 
And I pray that we would reflect that same heart. Show us how we can deal with an offense. I pray that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So what do we do in those times when conflict is unavoidable? These Proverbs, they tell us that we're to have a soft answer, a slow anger, and we must redefine what it means to win. And I want us to look at each one of these things. First, we want to look at a soft answer. 15 verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, the picture that the author of Proverbs gives us here is, is one where you're minding your own business. You're literally, you're just walking down a path and wrath is coming for you. Uh, you didn't go looking for wrath. Wrath is there in the path. It's got you in its sights and wrath is coming for you. Uh, so you're not looking for a fight, but it's looking at, for you. So what do you do? This is when you, you, know, you open up that email and it just catches you off guard with its explosive content. Or you receive that text and you just you can't believe somebody would, would say that to you. Or maybe somebody comes up to you in person, it's a friend or it's a coworker, and they just explode all over you. In that moment, as you're preparing your response... What do you need? You need softness. You need to have a soft answer in order to turn away the wrath that is in your path. A soft answer is a kind answer, a controlled answer. It's an answer that seeks to turn down the volume of the situation, to, to de-escalate the anger that's rising. A soft anger is like a pillow. Pillows don't fight back. Pillows can take a hit and not be hurt and will not hurt the other person. That's what a soft answer does. It's not ignoring the other person or ignoring the offense. Often ignoring someone escalates the anger. If you just ignore that email, if you just don't respond to that text, often that can make a person angrier. Uh, years ago, I had a very angry man come to my house. Uh, and I was actually in our backyard. I was having lunch with my girls and he walked in the backyard and he goes, you front yard away from the kids. That's how the conversation began. I knew it was going to go really well. And, uh, and so I went into the front yard. He got right in my face and he screamed every profanity you could imagine. This went on for a long time. He's about two inches away from my face. I had his spit going all down my face as he was doing this. And I felt my fist getting in a ball because he was looking for a fight. And I was thinking, Joel, this is why you've been going to the gym all these years. <laughs> I mean, I really, I was having these thoughts. It was like, it's for this opportunity. Let's one hit, deck this guy. And then I remembered Proverbs 15.1. Can I confess, I hated that I remembered it. A soft answer turns away wrath. 
And I knew the moment that came up, I was like, I have to obey it. I didn't want to, but I had to. And so I was just very gentle with this guy. I just took his hits. I let him speak his mind. And, and I, I kept trying to give this soft, gentle reply, not overlooking his offense, but saying, I really disagree with you on this. I really think you're wrong, but we don't have to. Can we sit down? I said, I'm happy to sit down with you later and let's just talk about this. And I realized I lied. I wasn't happy, but you know, I had adrenaline pumping. I probably should have just said, I'll be willing to sit down with you later and talk about this. But it de-escalated and he eventually, he finally calmed down enough to where he left. The issues weren't resolved. My kids were scarred for life because they came and they saw the whole thing. But it could have been so much worse. Wrath was avoided. What's crazy about this is I actually think I did a really good job with this, with this person. I did a great job with a crazy man coming to my house, screaming and just spit all over me. But I can absolutely lose it if my kids just do a little roll of the eye. Or, you know, they, they give you the tone it's not even what they said. It's just to a certain tone. And, and, and you match the tone and you turn up the volume a notch. Now, how is it that I could do so well with the crazy man, but with the people I love around me, it could take like the slightest little turn of the knob and I respond with a harsh word and I escalate the situation. Proverbs says, soft answer, soft answer. Be calm. Verse 28 tells us how to come up with that soft answer. It says the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Uh, this proverb talks about the speed in which we respond. Um, do you pour out a response when you are offended, or do you ponder? Yeah, any of you ever send out an email that you regretted or that text that you regretted? I'm not talking about sending a text to the wrong person. I mean, we've all done that. Uh, my wife is in my phone as a wifey. That's how she's programmed in there. It's not because I'm many wives. She's just one of them. Uh, it's because uh, it's I didn't know what, way back in the time how I did, you know, the favorites, contacts, or whatever. This just put her at the top of my contacts. She is a wifey. And so I always know right there, it's instant. I can respond to her, which also means I need to apologize to a couple of you errands out here who may have received some texts from me over the years. And I do love you, just not in that way. Uh, we, we, we've all sent out accidental texts to people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the intentional texts, the intentional emails that you sent to people and you regretted it. Now, let me ask you, when you wrote that email, were you pondering or were you pouring? You poured. I mean, you're, you're like, it never felt so good. You're typing away, you're like, and you did this, and you did this. I bet you've never thought about this. And you're just, I mean, it is flowing. You've never written something so easily. It's pouring out of you. And what was pouring out of you was wickedness. 
Uh, you know when you go to the doctor and you get a physical and they get that little uh, rubber mallet out and they hit your knee, you know, right below it, and your knee just kind of, you know, it involuntarily, it just goes out. You can't control it. it. It just has that reaction and it goes out. It's called a knee-jerk reaction. Our knee-jerk reaction is wickedness. Uh, a core sign in the book of Proverbs that you actually have understanding or you have wisdom is that you recognize your own natural inclination towards evil. If you actually recognize, if I just act without thinking, it will most likely be evil. Because I'll be acting according to my nature. And that will be my knee-jerk reaction. This proverb tells us, slow down. Do not do what comes natural to you. Don't have that knee-jerk reaction. Think. Pray. Sit on that email for a few hours. Let the last thing you fill out be the, uh, the address to whom it goes. And if you're going to pour out anything, pour out your heart to God. I mean, that's what all the Psalms are about. The Psalms, they, instead of pouring out anger towards another, they pour out all their anger towards God. And then over the course of that Psalm, you see how God begins to turn that anger into praise. How quick we are to just pour out our thoughts, pour out our anger on social media or by an email or just going to somebody and telling them exactly what we think. Pour out your heart to God, but ponder, slow down and ponder your response here. Uh, so when dealing with a, a, an offense, have a soft answer. Uh, next, we read that we're to have a slow anger. 14 verse 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Okay, I want you to think of the last time you erupted in anger. Think about it. Not a rhetorical question. I want you to, to get that in your mind. Maybe it was you erupted in anger to a spouse or to a child or a neighbor or a coworker or a parent. Perhaps it was to some random Facebook post. You don't even know the person, but you wanted them to know your thoughts. Uh, whoever it was, they did or they said something, and you had that knee-jerk reaction, and you erupted in anger. Now, let me ask you this. When you erupted in anger, if that had been videotaped, and we were to play it right here for everyone, how would you feel about that? It'd be pretty embarrassing to watch yourself as you erupt in anger. Uh, I mean, waving arms around, yelling, maybe smashing things, maybe leaving the room, saying a bunch of irrational claims. You would think, I'm looking at a crazy person. And you would be right because anger does make you temporarily insane. Most of us, actually, we would rather have a, if there was a video out there of, of us being under the influence of something or intoxicated, you would much rather people see a video of you intoxicated than a video of you angry. You do not act rationally when you're angry. It, it produces this temporary insanity in us. 
It clouds our judgment. It distorts our view of reality. It causes us to exaggerate the flaws in others. We begin to say things like, you always are so critical of me. You always are judging me. You are always late. You never listen to me. You never pick up your clothes. And of course, those things are not true. They don't always do these things. They don't never do these things. But in anger, it distorts our view of reality and we become irrational. Just as irrational as if we took any drug. And yet, anger itself is not the problem. Anger is not evil. It's actually a God-given emotion. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 4 commands us to be angry, actually. Be angry and don't sin. There are times you need to be angry, but you don't need to let that anger turn to sin. The key for that to happen is for you to have a slow anger. Uh, There are many ways to define anger. Uh, For me, my go-to definition over the years is this. Anger is the emotion we feel when something we love is threatened. Anger is the emotion we feel when something we love is threatened. It's a God-given emotion in order to protect that love. But the reason it needs to be done slowly is because you need to ask yourself, what exactly is it that I love that is being threatened in this moment? Before responding in anger, you need to understand exactly why you are angry. That's why, you know, what Proverbs 14, 29 is getting at. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. A person who is slow to anger is thinking about their anger. They're asking, why am I angry? What exactly do I love that's being threatened in this moment? Am I angry because of what this person asked me to do? Or am I angry because I don't like being told what to do, period? Am I angry because of this injustice or am I angry because I'm just not getting my way? Every parent at one point has felt anger towards a child, um, often for not finding their shoes Um, or maybe a jacket. Somehow they just, they can't find uh, the clothes at the time you need them to find their clothes. I don't know what it is about kids. I I came when my kids were little, I could hide a Pringles can uh, in the laundry room in a cabinet up high, they would find it. But they couldn't find the shoes they wore every day. There's something about the kids. And so normally when you know you tell your child, hey, can you go get your shoes? And they're like, I don't know where it is. They are. You're like, okay, well, think of the last place you left them. You're calm with them. But you erupt in anger when you're late for something. At that moment, you're like, why do you always you know, forget where your shoes are? Why can't you ever find them? You erupt in anger. Why are you angry? Is it because they can't find their shoes? No, because you've responded gently in the past. You're angry because you don't want to be embarrassed for being late. Your pride is going to take a hit. That's what you love. Anger gives us this unique window into our own soul, and often it reveals our own issues, our hidden idols. 
the wise person takes time to understand their anger. And when you do this, you might gain insight into another person's sin, but often you'll find your own idols being exposed. And so God uses anger to reveal those things. So you're to give a soft answer. You're to be slow to anger. And you're also to redefine winning. So what is your goal when you're entering into a conflict? Is it to win? Is it to prove a point? Is it to make the other person hurt in such way, in some way, pay them back? You know, whether it's through the silent treatment, ending a relationship or lashing out at them, embarrassing them. What, what is your goal when entering a conflict? Once again, I want you to think back to the last conflict you have had. And let me ask you this question. Did the death and resurrection of Jesus matter? Did it matter to you in that moment and how you responded? Or if Jesus had never died and rose again, would it have changed anything about the way you handled that conflict? Did you respond to that offense by giving law or by giving grace? We need to redefine what it means to win in a conflict. The gospel completely gives us a new lens as to what winning looks like. The resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus profoundly changes the way that we deal with conflict because our goal isn't to win at all costs. Our goal is to restore relationship and to point people to Jesus. Glorifying Jesus is the goal we should have in every conflict. If you think about it, Conflict is a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate the gospel. The gospel is actually hard to show someone in the absence of conflict. It's hard, harder to show somebody the gospel in the absence of conflict. But the moment there is a conflict, you've been given a tremendous opportunity to actually live out and to show the gospel to them. And we could do this by showing that my goal in this conflict is to restore relationship and to show you that Jesus is glorious. And one of the ways we do this is by turning the other cheek. We looked at this when we were going through Romans. Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. In first century Jewish culture, you know, they would greet one another by you kiss both cheeks. And some cultures still do this. It's, it's how you show... Um, show affection to a friend, how you welcome them even in a public place. You kiss both of their cheeks. So when Jesus talks about getting hit on the cheek or slapped on the cheek, he's referring to the place where you think there's going to be a welcome. When you've offered the person a good relationship, a loving relationship, and instead of receiving that, you are slapped there. He tells you how to respond to that. He says you turn the other cheek. And that can mean a number of, of different things there. But one of the things it most certainly means is this. You don't walk away. But you're offering the person, once again, another opportunity for relationship. 
It's not just turning the other cheek to receive another blow. You're offering, is this, I'm making myself vulnerable again. I want this relationship. Will you kiss me or will you hit me? But we don't just walk away. Restoration of a relationship is our goal. But it does mean at times you take a hit. This could be taking an insult, be taking a financial hit. We could take a hit so many different ways, but we absorb the blows. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Oh, there's more time than we uh, less time. We don't have enough time to go through this. There's so many allusions to Exodus there. When God reveals his glory to Moses, what does he say? I am the Lord, slow to anger. Our slowness to anger and glory are linked together. That word to, to overlook literally is to pass over. It's to pass over an offense. When we're slow to anger, when we pass over an offense, we're like God himself. Proverbs 17.9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. Now, to cover an offense doesn't mean you just pretend an offense didn't happen. Uh, to cover an offense is, is like covering a payment. You know, when you go out with friends, let's say you're all out at a restaurant and the bill comes. If you were to say, it's okay, I'll cover this. What are you saying in that moment? You're not saying, everybody run, let's not pay. <laughs> saying, I'll pay the bill. I've got it covered. I'll take the hit. Covering an offense seeks love. Turning the other cheek, taking the hit, not responding insult with insult, not lashing back. This shows people the gospel. This is what Jesus did for us when we sinned against him. He didn't make us pay for our sins. He covered them. Not by ignoring them or saying they never existed. He covered them by paying for our sins with his own blood. And this radically changes the way now we deal with others when we have been offended. We seek to restore the relationship and we seek to cover their offense. So when we are offended, we have this amazing opportunity to show people just how glorious Jesus is and what he has done for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who's merciful, compassionate, and slow to anger. And Father, when we have those qualities, we show that you are glorious. And so I pray that you would make those prevalent in our lives. We would be marked by that character. Lord, I pray that you would have us to um, slow down, to not repay evil for evil, but to see every conflict that comes our way, every offense that we find in our path is an opportunity to show the gospel. 
Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness of us. Thank you that you took the hit. You covered the expense. You paid the debt we could never pay. And we remember that in this moment. And we sing our praise to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.